Greetings, it's and saves, you're monitoring episode 5 of The Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you're going to want to keep one ear on the guard. My name's Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. We're only going to say this a couple more times, so seriously, pay attention. The guard is a specific frequency that all aircraft and control towers should be monitoring constantly. And if someone out there is having an in-space emergency, then we might send a mayday on that channel. Other pilots or towers in the area will answer back on that channel with instructions, so if you run out of gin and tonic when the queen comes round for tea, you're going to want to get some help, stat. So this is where you can tune in and know that you're going to get help from the community, or maybe you'll be there to help out a fellow citizen or civilian. If you want to get a feel for our style of broadcast, check out a few of our episodes over at our sister production, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and we want to say a special hello to all of our Priority One listeners tuning in. Hello! This show will probably evolve in its own direction over time, but if you guys know us from Priority One, you know we deliver a quality show with more regularity than a high-fiber diet, and we want to do the same on Guard Frequency. To deliver quality shows like Priority One and Guard Frequency, it takes the constant effort of a team of people to do what we do. And if you want to help out, we'll let you know how you can at the end of the show. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with it. What have we got this week, Jeff? We bring you our selection of favorite goodies that have come out of CES before we get you current with the latest Star Citizen happenings in CIG news. In our news segment, Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk about death and dying. Finally, we tell all you folks how you can get in the feedback loop and join our conversation. Well, let's see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying, welcome to the Squawk Box. This is our segment where we'll bring you rumors, wishes, technology, oddities, and pretty much anything else that we deem somehow connected to Star Citizen and Squadron 42. This week we saw a small, kind of unknown trade show known as uh, CES. Some great stuff there. You probably haven't heard of it. If you have heard of it, that means it's gotten too mainstream. They've debuted a number of semi-interesting little gadgets and gizmos, ranging from the OMG Do Want to OMG WTF and everywhere in between. First up, the Oculus Rift. Every year, the Oculus Rift makes an appearance, and every year, they continue to wow us with their immensely cool VR headset. This year, they brought out Crystal Cove, a new prototype with much improved head tracking, so you can now lean forward and look around corners with ease. They've managed to reduce the latency issue that was causing a lot of immersion breaking, so kudos to them. As Star Citizen will be supporting the Oculus Rift, this is definitely one to get excited about. Next up, Project Christine from Razer, the company that makes some seriously awesome gaming peripherals. They've got a very unique and pretty sexy-looking modular PC. Essentially, each module, like the graphics card, sound card, RAM, processor, all that stuff, is housed in its own case that will stack with the others to create a very simple, very customizable, very high-powered machine. Unfortunately, this is only in the early concept stages at the moment, and they'll have a lot of technical hurdles to overcome. Something tells me, though, that this won't be the last we see of this very interesting take on the beige box PC. Is anyone's PC actually beige anymore? Lennon? Jeff? Jeff, you're totally old school. Uh, No, I have an Antec 
uh, 900 case that's black and blue LEDs and uh, lots of fans. And I mean, it's black all the way for me as well. You know what they say, once you go black, you never find a beige PC case again. That is what they say, right? Uh, anyway, moving on. What's up next, Tony? One that was brought to our attention by our very own executive producer, Mr. Elliot Tan. The Emperor work environment looks like something right out of the Avengers. Hey, Lennon, uh, is that the 60s Avengers or the Joss Whedon Avengers? Uh, neither. It's the Milton Keynes Avengers. And oh, Dusty of course. Right. Band. Obviously. Right. Yes. I, I, sorry. My, my mistake. Comprising of a very comfortable-looking chair complete with footrests and sporting a curved overhead beam upon which to mount several monitors, the Emperor will provide you with maximum comfort and immersion factor for all your Star Citizen and Squadron 42 needs, provided you can shell out $21,000. And we have the SciTech X55. I expect uh, this one uh, Jeff has been keeping his eye on, you know, if he gets tired of his $800 warthog, you know, just in case. But for those of you unaware, the SciTech X55 Rhino HOTUS was not only demoed at CES, but they announced that they're now accepting pre-orders. U.S. and Canada only. Sorry, Lennon. With the 16-bit Hall effect sensors in the axis, swappable springs so you can set tension perfectly on the joystick, twin lockable throttles, and a friction adjustment that can be set on the fly, this is surely going to be one of the favorites for any citizen or civilian. And that favorites was spelled with a U in it. But you can't have it yet, Lennon. Oh, too bad. And last but not least, this is kind of a personal favorite of ours, the internet-enabled toothbrush. Oh, yes. Lastly, being billed as the world's first... Internet-enabled toothbrush. Only internet-enabled toothbrush. We'll wait. We'll wait till the patent war comes out on this one. I'm sure someone's getting sued. But Colibri monitors and compares your daily brushing alongside recommending brushing techniques and sends all that information straight to your smartphone or your Twitter feed, which I'm sure everyone will be ready, willing, and able to do. No news yet if this will feature an achievements system, but unfortunately the toothpaste module has already been announced as a downloadable content, so you'll have to pay a little extra for that. Any favorites among these gentlemen? Well, the Christine concept is really, really interesting. I'm really curious how they're going to keep up with different CPU architectures and graphics card changes, like going from an AMD R9 to whatever the R12 might or whatever the future is going to be. And how quickly are they going to come to market with those changes? It's going to be a huge endeavor when you look at this. I'm also interested in other colors and LED lighting. And so I I really am uh, watching this one because the concept is really cool. Okay, but aren't you worried, Jeff, that we're going to see like some sort of proprietary lockdown like we currently do with Dell PCs where you can only buy the components from one particular place? I'm not. I, I think the whole idea is that PC sales are down they're slumping and something like this could really open things up it'll be interesting to see if razor actually releases the module specs to actually get some white box style modules made again i'm still waiting to see how this progresses it was supposed to be an open standard so we'll see well, have you read, seen, or heard something that you might think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Well, this week's crowdfunding 
update, we've hit $36,425,546. We're halfway to the Tanga system, the red giant with the planetary nebula attached. Very cool. Can't wait to see it. There are 13,473 alpha slots left. Oh, heavens, those are going fast, kids. And there's almost 358,000 registered users. And as we caught it last week, it totally happened. We have a new letter from the chairman that says, We've unlocked the Tamza system. Located near the fringe of Banu's space, the Tamza system features a massive central star that has collapsed into a black hole. Only two planets remain in the system, a Chthonian world and a gas giant located far from the black hole's event horizon. In case any of you are wondering, a Chthonian, as in Cthulhu, planet is a hypothetical planet that you end up with if the outer atmosphere of a gas giant was stripped away by being too close to a star, so you're left with the rocky or metallic planet that looks a little bit terrestrial. You know, one great thing about this method of development, the original system description included a description of the planet's orbits, mm-hmm. specifically that they were decaying into the black hole. Well, a member of the community who happens to be a physicist in real life chimed in and set the team straight on a little thing called orbital mechanics and black hole physics. And as a result, the in-game lore feature attributed the mistake to faulty scanners on the Banu ship that plotted the jump point. Hey, guys, how about that for real-time retconning, huh? That's pretty good, actually. I thought that whole reaction to what was going on from community input was rather nice, and I think that shows well of the developers. So kudos to them. Yeah, really. And, I mean, if this guy keeps it up, then, yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll get hired and there might be a position opening up on Glad Imperium Games for a black hole physicist. Well, you know, science advisor? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, now, since they're getting all the help for free, why would they bother paying for yeah. it? But- but yeah, that's but that is the very cool uh, method of development that they've got going here. Such an, an open thing. Here's what we're planning to do. Here's what's coming, and they'll change it if they need to, if the response from the community demands it. You know, or the immutable laws of physics demand it. I guess. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it was actually Einstein and Newton that probably demanded that this had to be changed. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm saying that Chris Roberts isn't above them, of course. But no, 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 no. Of course not. No, he's clearly, clearly. Well, he's making his own little universe, so he can make the laws of physics whatever. Yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what, whoever it was who pointed this out, yeah, it, like you said, it's Chris Roberts' own universe, and if he wants to have blackjack and hookers orbit in a black hole, that's up to him. <laughs> well, that's our first community question. Is there anything else that you've seen in the lore that needs a little reverse engineering? Do we need gambling and loose women orbiting black holes? Let us know. Scientific, political, historical, inaccuracies or weirdness, anything you like. Let us know by answering the community question on our show notes at our website, cardfrequency.com, or on this week's show post on the RSI forums. In addition, we also have confirmation that the unlock for reaching $38 million will be the Kano system, home to a G-type main sequence star that's almost identical to Earth's. Of the four planets in the system, only one is inhabited, Cartania. Cartania is on the edge of the Goldilocks zone, a classic water world with an unusual axial tilt that keeps the northern hemisphere tilted away from the sun, which has caused the water to freeze into a landmass which humans have settled on. But they weren't alone. Scientists studying the waters on Cartania found indigenous life, albeit only sea monkeys. But this was enough to cause an uproar in the UEE at the idea that humans were trying to terraform a developing world. Since then, further colonization of the planet has been halted, but those already living on Cartania were allowed to stay. But enough of all that law business. As a sneaky bonus side in the letter from the chairman, Chris gives us a sneak peek at the redesigned freelancer cockpit, featuring the one change most freelancers were clamoring for, more visibility. Chris also 
also tells us that we can look forward to seeing a lot more of the freelancer in the new year. I, for one, pretty excited about that. Yes, we know. Your freelancer predilection has been well documented. (laughs) Thank you very much. With more and more people getting into the game, a community over at RSI decided to give the Ask a Dev threads a bit of a spring cleaning, as people that are newcomers to the game might not be aware of what each individual dev was responsible for. The staff of RSI decided to change the format from a one-thread-per-dev model to a thread for each department, which every dev from that department can participate in. So if you have a burning desire to know things that we've yet to cover on Guard Frequency, then head over to the RSI forums and shoot your questions to a dev, now with better accuracy than the average stormtrooper. And in the latest edition of Galactic Guide, we're given the skinny on Drake Interplanetary, most famed for the Cutlass and the Caterpillar-class ships and favorite of the illegal operators, the Verse Over, the Galactic Guide takes us on a journey from the first humble Cutlass thrown together from materials left just hanging around the place and bits and pieces that they found down the back of the dryer through incorporation of the company and set up on Magnus II to its current incarnation. Drake ships aren't famed for their looks, and you certainly won't be finding the plush leather seats and shiny specular highlights of the Origin ships, but what you will find is a ship that's incredibly modular and can be outfitted for almost any purpose. But then again, who cares how good you look when you're hauling away someone else's cargo? Hopefully no one's looking at you. Yeah, or or alternatively, you could just take the freelancer that the cargo was in, you know, if you... uh, There you go. Exactly. Interestingly, the blog has some small details in the footnotes that could hint of things to come. To quote... What does the future hold for Drake? CEO Dredge plans to unveil next year's spacecraft lineup at the Terra Air and Space Show next month, and the rumor is that this year's models are all about streamlining. A daunting task for the modular boxy Cutlass, Caterpillar, and Buccaneer. And over on the RSI forums, the Overlord asked, When will the organization system go live? Well, developer Balthus was kind enough to answer him to, quote, The org system first drop is scheduled to go live in the next few weeks. This first release will allow you to create and join an org, as well as use some of the base org management tools. We then will have a pretty lengthy schedule of updates that we will be releasing by group of functionality. Expect divisions, jobs, and multi-org memberships in drop two. So it looks like pretty soon we'll be able to finally start getting organized. And before the dogfighting module, too. Eric Wingman Peterson doubled down on a January release date for that. So it's time, gentlemen. We've got to find out who's going to lead guard frequency response. All right. I, 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 my suggestion is a paper, rock, scissors tournament right now. Okay. All right. Ready? Right, you okay. ready? Ready? I'm ready? in. I'm in. Ready? I'm in. Jeff? Ah. Good. Okay. Give me my, give me my okay. Ready? Go. One, two, three. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. I win. All <laughs> Do right. You? I win. Are you sure? I, yeah, I, I win. To no, a, no, I totally win. What do you have? I, I appear to have made a bunny rabbit. <laughs> oh. Uh, I've got an eagle. Eagle takes oh. bunny rabbit. What do you got, Jeff? Oh, that's true. Um, I got an antelope. Yeah, uh, eagle takes antelope. My eagle is carrying a shotgun in its in its claws. So, oh, God, uh, it's, it's the North takes, American Freedom Eagle. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the NRA Eagle is what I have. So, yeah, uh, so totally I win. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll probably have to settle this a different way. But you guys can join our org, no matter who's actually going to end up in charge of it, by going to our organization thread over on the RSI forums, Guard Frequency Response. The latest episode of the in-house podcast from Robert Space Industries, what well, I can pronounce, but apparently sounds a little bit like Wingman's Hangar, episode 52, has dropped as well as the latest 10 for the chairman. It features a lot of good stuff in it, mainly that we know that the drop date for the dogfighting module is redacted, like anybody didn't see that one coming. 
as well as that, though, they did go through and cover a lot of things in the Wingman's Hangar episode. For example, shields will recharge over time, some faster than others. As the shields get lower in power, they are more pierceable, and they coined a special term for this known as pierceability. Oh, I like it. It's like truthiness. They also cover what would happen in a hostage situation. For example, if you get taken prisoner, will you be forced to serve out a prison sentence on somebody else's ship? If they decide to then log off and not come back for six months, what does that mean for your character? Well, they went into a bit of detail and said that effectively what will happen is you will be cloned and created as an item of cargo for the pirates so they can trade you about, but you can carry on playing the game as you want. And then in the latest 10 for the chairman, Chris was asked what will happen on an emergency landing. Like in the Wing Commander movie, will there be the big fancy nets to be able to grab the ship? And Chris responds, well, there will be an emergency landing scenario and you will have a rescue crew that will come out and if any parts of your ship on fire, they will be able to put the flames out. They haven't quite figured out the details yet, but there is definitely something in the works for that. He was also asked, will there be any server wipes during the alpha beta testing? At the moment, they don't really have a specific stance, but he did say that there will probably be a wipe before live, but probably won't be a wipe during the early access phase that lets the backers get on early before the game is actually launched. So be prepared for a few wipes. After all, it is a testing environment. He was also asked what the next ship would be. The answer? Cutlass. He also lets us know that the Idris Corvette has been worked on for the longest, so that may be dropping in sometime soon afterwards. Next up... How does plotting a jump point and exploration work? He goes on to detail that only trade routes will be marked in known systems, so there will be a lot of exploration and cartography needed for known systems. They're also investigating a series of procedural content generations so that when you go into a new system, it can generate everything on the fly and it's not just a pre-programmed set of planets and routes and maps. You know, I heard one of the best quotes out there. He was asked what mapping a jump point would be like and feel like, and he said mapping a jump point should feel like riding, quote, the hairiest big wave off the north shore of Hawaii, but with cool space effects. I think I'm going to want to map a jump point. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And I've even got a space surfboard ready, which would be fantastic. Wonderful. Oh, it's amazing. I've been waxing it all weekend. That came out a lot ruder out of my <laughs> mouth than say, it sounded in my I head, I don't think I it's your, your surfboard you've been waxing. <laughs> Chris was also asked for more details on the tablet companion that's been announced and what platforms it'll be debuting. Although he didn't give any specific details, he did say it will be available on both iOS and Android and that it will probably be made with Unity. The next question comes in, will there be a funeral sequence when your wingmen die, as in the original Wing Commander games? And Chris says, yes. That's it, just yes. No no more details, just yes, there will be. Love a next, straight answer. Yeah, straight to the point. What more do you need to know? Are people going to die? Yes, right. Ten for the chairman, done. Moving on. <laughs> Can organizations build stations and defenses? Chris replies, not fully on release, but they will have some tech in place to let planets and outposts evolve. Organizations can buy and build industry that are around nearby, though. And then he goes on to elaborate, so will a player be able to take a barren rock and convert it into a planet and then eventually into a full trading hub? Yes, but not on the initial release. This also ties in with something he said previously regarding procedural content generation. So, do you think this means that we're getting dynamic content? Yeah, this, this t- kind of tied in with the discussion we had on our sister podcast, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show. Check it out. Uh, we talked about a mechanic that Cryptic Studios had when they built Star Trek Online called the Genesis Engine, which basically was an algorithm that created thousands of missions on dozens of systems. They just were very simple hunt-and-gather 
point-and-shoot missions, but, you know, you got the standard mission rewards for it. You got experience points. You picked up loot. And I think that that mechanic might work for something that would be repetitive and grindy like building a planet from a barren rock into a terraformed habitable world to a small city. You could have a bunch of missions that would be kind of grindy and repetitive, but some players like that. Well, some players like Eve, too. and A lot of those guys are going to come join I, us, Jeff. I, I know I, I don't play Eve, and I'm not a big fan of that thing, but there are lots of people that I, like I it. I like Eve. I, don't get me wrong, but Eve has its place. And for a great space trading game and, and economy, that, that it's wonderful. I could spend hours just watching the trades flow by. But this is Wing Commander in space. This is where we get to um, <laughs> track down the pirates or go be a pirate if we want to. I, I don't want to sit there and worry about whether I'm getting 11 million tons of, of some sort certain minerals so I can build my little planet up. Well, that's why you recruit a bunch of people that like to do that for your fleet. You get a bunch of people that like that sort of thing and you make them do it. If you have a dynamic engine like that, you don't have to spend a lot of developer time making those missions. You just build the system that builds the missions and then people that like those missions can have them to their heart's content. And if they need another new set, you throw in a new set of variables in them, hit run, the system generates you another couple hundred missions. It's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, but I think the difference with what Chris is talking about here compared to the Star Trek Online Genesis engine is, like you said, it was an algorithm that basically took component A with setting B and enemy C and mission D. And each of those parts, there was only a limited number of components. So yes, when you combine them, well, you did get a couple of thousand missions, but they were all very formulaic and you could land on a planet and know by, oh, this planet starts me at this particular position. It looks like it's going to be an X type of mission and you could just figure it out from there with the procedural content generation i think that they're actually looking more like technology for games like minecraft use so that when you load up a minecraft world for instance you never get the same game twice unless you type in the, the same generation code of course in which case you can do it the same seed but every time that you start a new game otherwise it randomly generates a whole new set of biomes and terrain and it just really does make every single game feel completely unique and individual. And even games like Starbound, that's probably more what we're looking at, I'd imagine, because Starbound is a bit like Minecraft in space, which <laughs> when you land on a planet, it just dynamically generates a planet, and then you do your thing, you move on, you go to the next one, and another one is dynamically generated. So unlike something like Stowe, where it had a limited number of maps, I think we're going to be seeing completely unique environments for each and every planet. I mean, sure, there'll be some repetitive assets, but it won't be like, you know, if you land on a planet and it's got green trees, that all these green trees will be in the same place on every planet that has green trees. There'll be a, a lot more randomization on that side of things. And last up, Chris was asked, we've seen what it's like when the small ships like the freelancer we know how those will be able to land on the planet but what about the larger ships will they be able to land on the planet or will they have to stay in and around a space station and if so how does that work for getting your character to and from the planet so chris lets us know that unfortunately big ships won't be able to land on planets but you know i'm pretty sure everybody saw that one coming so what they'll have to do is dock at the nearest space station and then either take a public shuttle down or take a shuttle from your own ship and land on the planet yourself which to me just adds a whole new mentioned to the gameplay anyway, so I'm really glad that they put that in there. There are a couple interesting questions in there. I see much forum rage coming from uh, at least one of them. One of the criteria for instancing may be your PvP preference. 
So there will be lots of people out there that do not want to engage in PvP, and the instancing system may segregate them from the people that do want to blow their fellow citizens and civilians right out of the sky. I sense some topics will be discussed, and we may have some point-counterpoints with that in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned to this channel. One question that really caught our attention, though, was, I think, question seven. At around the 8-minute, 42nd mark, Alf at Justice asked, Will there be short-range voice communication to hail other unknown vessels or call for help? And Chris Roberts' answer was, Yes, yes absolutely yes. You should be able to hail vessels near you even if they're not on your friends list. And you should be able to put out a global sort of distress call like, Help me, I'm under attack. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a guard frequency. A guard frequency. So we'll be out there and we'll be listening on the guard, that's for sure. But I want to go back to the the hostage mechanic. See, I think that that is very interesting because that is where they are really having to make a conscious choice between game immersion and game playability. Because if you got sentenced to prison or chucked into a slave trader's hold, that would not make for good gaming. But do you guys think of any way to sort of like explain that away in an in-game mechanic? Because I was racking my brain. I, I was trying – when I heard that too, I was kind of wondering how that was going to work. I don't know if it's going to play well. I mean if I'm still playing me, do I really care about my hostage flying around the universe in some crate somewhere? No, not really. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Now, one thing that I think is quite interesting, and I know that we're going to cover this a little bit in our next topic, so I won't give too much away, but as part of the whole death and dying mechanic and the concept of citizenship in Star Citizen, I know it was said if you were taken hostage and sold into slavery that you would have to buy your freedom. But if they're going to do this whole splitting you off and turning you into a cargo, how are you ever actually going to get a chance to do that unless you opt to sit there for however long it takes for the guy to sell you? I don't know. You play Monopoly? Um, Yeah, once or twice. It's one of those sort of homegrown rules that we have is that when you land on the jail space, at least when I grew up playing, you got a chance to roll like two or three turns. If you rolled doubles on the next two or three turns you got, you could get out of jail for free. If you didn't roll doubles on the next two or three turns, you had to put $50 into the pot in the middle of the board. I think the mechanic might work something like that. That would be a good mechanic, I think. Give your character the, you know, quote, chance to escape. If you want, you can hit a button and say, try to escape, try to escape, try to escape. And if you don't manage to escape, then the system respawns you back at your hangar and charges you a certain number of credits. And if you don't have enough credits, it puts you in hawk a certain number of credits. And you've got to work through whatever debt system that they have in the game to, to get you back up to level. I think that might work. I can certainly see how a system like that would work. But one of the things that I'm then sort of... So, you know, let's just run through a situation. I've got a ship. I've captured you. You're mm-hmm. on my ship. I'm going to sell you. If you opt to escape, surely as the person who's sort of flying around in the ship trying to sell you on, would I not then have the opportunity to fight back and, you know, see if the person that is tied up in my cargo hold is still in there? And if they're not, then to try and shoot them, for example, you know. I think if it's a little bit too automated, then you're going to lose that level of it. Well, I think the way that you look at it is like, well, once you've made the capture, I think you're captured. I mean, I think that that's your level of skill. I mean, you've managed to disable the guy's ship, board it, subdue the crew, and then put them away and not kill them. I think you've proven your badassery at that point. <laughs> and I think we take it out of the hand of the capturer and put it back in the into the control of the capturee. You 
you've had your ass whooped pretty good by that point, and then prolonging that anymore, I think, is too much. The bounty grabber person has earned his key. He's got his thing done. Let's just turn your prisoner into cargo, and then no, you can sell sell that cargo off at the nearest slave trader, or take it to the prison planet for the UEE if it's a bounty, and then let it go. Put it back in the hands of the player who's been captured. Give them the opportunity to try to get away for quote for free, you know, with an escape button, whether it's a random chance thing or if it's based on your citizenship or your reputation with certain factions, like maybe they would come quote rescue you, uh, something like that, and, and, and whatever number of mechanics you can think of. And then if you fail those rolls or whatever you want to call them, then you've got to pay a bunch of money and make that money, you know, equal or thereabouts to what it would be a fine for whatever law you broke or whatever bounty you'd be good for uh, or whatever a slave would sell for. You know, make that all about equivalent. I think that yes, would Yes, it's almost like a negative bounty system. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's our second community question for the week. What's a good way to explain away the hostage mechanic? Ransom? Emergency transwarp beaming? Infinite improbability device? Let us know. Get in touch with us on our show post on GuardFrequency.com or in our show post on the RSI forums. And with the latest updates from CIG News done, let's get back to basics with our new segment, Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, citizens and civilians, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is our section of the show where we delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen and give you the gory details from the inside out. Fair warning, this game is still in active development, so all the information that we give is subject to change. Last week, we put up a poll for which ship to cover, and it ended up in a tie. 33% for the Freelancer and the Gladiator. So this time, we're doing a bit of a rollover, and we're going to carry on the poll until this week, so you guys can decide on which ship will actually be the winner, and we'll cover the winner next week. Until then, this week's topic is literally the gory details. Star Citizen's death mechanic. Long story short, there will be permadeath. It will be permanent, just not immediate. Each character will be able to die multiple times before the character is finally put to rest. Think of this like lives in an old-school arcade game, or like the original Legend of Zelda, but with a limited number of continues. A dynamically calculated number of times, getting killed in the verse will result in you being only mostly dead. It's just a flesh and aside wound. from having your pockets emptied of loose change, there won't be any serious in-game consequences. Depending on where you were hit and how you died, you may need replacement parts, like Captain Picard's artificial heart or an artificial arm like that shouty lieutenant in Starship Troopers. There will even be opportunities to wind back that dynamically calculated number, some one-up mushrooms if you will, scattered around the shady genetic clinics and super advanced cybernetic labs. Okay, so what counts as death? Sitting in the ship while it explodes around you? Yes. A safe ejection? Uh, no. Getting your ejection seat blasted out of the sky? Yes. Shot in the head during a boarding action? Depends if you're the boarder or the boardee. To quote the Death of a Spaceman article on RSI, your badly charred and almost dead avatar is recovered and you wake up in a med bay. Die enough times, and instead of the hospital, you'll continue the game at your own funeral in the body of the beneficiary you specify when setting up your initial player character. But if your dead guy did something cool, well, then you get a neat obituary and a nice headstone. Seeing as this is going to apply to major NPCs as well, one of the cool things you might do is permanently remove a major bad guy, or good guy, I suppose, from the verse. 
Here lies the toasty, crispy mortal remains of Lee Harvey John Wilkes Booth, assassin of UEE high advocate Bob the Punctual. Your beneficiary gets all the stuff. Ships, gear, cash, and even most of your reputation. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, eh, that's up to you to decide. That's right, your new player character starts out all haunted by your past and whatnot. And just like players, major NPCs will also be replaced, like his wordiness, high advocate Steve the Loquacious. Your wingman can also pull you out of the soup. Just make sure your buddy has a tractor beam installed. And knowing who I'll be flying with, I think I have the gear for the lower turret of my Connie picked out. <laughs> I, uh, not I, surly, but he or she uh, can grab your worthless butt out of the deep black and put you to work on a ship. For whatever good you'll do him. If your incompetence is truly remarkable or your bad luck horribly contagious, your friend's multi-person cruise ship will be able to eject you all into space for eventual recovery. Okay, so this is a game, right? And mechanics-wise, this is all well and good. But what about... Um, Let's politely call it metagaming or gaming the game. Okay, fine. Griefing and QQing. If you're going to camp out above Earth and Terra splashing noobs in their brand new Aurora LXs, you're in for a world of hurt. Like making it legal for players to shoot your Drake Cutlass and blow your ejected pot out of any space zone, NPC and player bounties put on your head, and revocation of your landing privileges on anything but the outlaw systems. Also, it wouldn't surprise me to see the spreadsheet controlling of your dynamic extra lives get a little personal attention from the dev team if they see you trying to make a true pain of yourself in the community's aft. You know, on the flip side, if you find yourself taunting someone and getting more than you asked for, some might be tempted to have a router issue in the middle of the fight. Okay, that's probably going to count as a safe ejection, even if you have actual router issues. So if your insinuations about your opponent's parental heritage or implications of his cross-species romantic liaisons really hit home, you may want to pull your Ethernet cable if you're pretty sure he's going to smoke your pod. Did I just make a new euphemism there? That <laughs> could be. This information comes from the very detailed post on the RSI site called Death of a Spaceman, which we will link in our show notes. Now let's get into the feedback. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! And from our show post over at GuardFrequency.com. Not a peep, but thanks for voting in our poll. That poll will be carried over into Episode 5's show post. And via the Robert Space Industries forums, Kylon Cree writes, A new episode. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And via the contact form on GuardFrequency.com, Chivalry Bean, he asks, Can I join the Guard Frequency organization? How? Or is that even an option yet? Why? Yes, you can, by going to our organization thread at the RSI Forums, Guard Frequency Response. Just search on those terms, Guard Frequency Response. He goes on via one of those channels to say, I only got hooked on all this today. I've managed to shoot up my hangar and knock some barrels over. By definition, is Star Citizen an indie game? It doesn't have a traditional publisher, right? Well... I mean, yeah, I guess so, right, guys? I mean, if you define indie game as somebody that uh, develops and publishes all by themselves. I believe that is the definition of an indie. I would suspect that we should be able to call it an indie game. And via Twitter, we hear from Ken from Chicago. He says, hey, at Stow Priority One, our sister publication, have you heard of Guard Freak Podcast? They've a segment to discuss types of ships, pros and cons. Assimilate. Hashtag Trek Logic. 
Well, well, I think that they probably should because uh, I'm not going to have to do it anymore because I'm going to be uh, leaving that our sister productions. <gasps> have you sometime. left them? I, I'm going to. It's going to happen. Marchish, Aprilish, something. We've announced that they're looking for a new host over there. So auditions are open to members of the community. Hopefully, that we'll find somebody that knows more about the game than me and knows more about Star Trek than Elijah. To be fair, you don't really know a lot about the game. You just have a habit Shut of it. getting Shut it. Shut <laughs> you just have a habit of getting predictions spot on. So <laughs> I, I think it's more that you've probably bugged the devs' dressing room than. Do they, do they get dressed at their office? I don't know. Apparently, I, I think they're yeah, movie I, I, stars. So I'm not giving away all my secrets. Not even not over here. No, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. I gotta I gotta find a way to recreate my magic over at uh, Cloud Imperium. I'm not giving it away. <laughs> Mad Wolf writes at Guard Frequency. Already listened and loved it. Oh, and hi at Kinetic Impulser. LOL. The bloopers were really funny. Well, I can only take one third of the credit for the funny bloopers. <laughs> if only they heard the rest of the show that doesn't ever make it to production. <laughs> it's um, even worse. Yeah. Well, do we deserve a jolly good show, old boy? Should we try doing the show in Esperanto? Let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check our forum post at forums.robertsspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode show notes at guardfrequency.com. And now you can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. And as always, you can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk, that's S-Q-U-A-W-K, at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And a special thanks to all of our new followers on Twitter, at Ken from Chicago, at Paladin Smeg, at Smag99, at Ets2040, and at SteveLD. Thanks a lot for following us, you guys. And that brings us to the end of Episode 5 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 6 on the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the U.S. and the day after, oh yeah, that bloke, cheers, day in the U.K. Which, for anybody who's actually curious about the date, is the 21st of January. So, details, send us... Details. Yeah, well, you know. So, please send us your feedback about the show. Visit our website, guardfreakz.com, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash guardfreak, our Twitter, at guardfreak, our email, squawk at guardfrequency.com, by popping the contact form at the top of our website or our show's forum threads over at robertspaceindustries.com and all of these details for all of our contact methods will be in the show notes. Like what we do here? Want to join the team and flex your podcasting muscles? If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization thread over at robertspaceindustries.com guard frequency response. A link to our recruitment thread will be in the show notes. We want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit www.ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. And we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Return to 330, count 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. It sure does. That's not
be friends. No. Let's touch each other. No problem. <laughs> nope, let's not. <laughs> That's the nice thing about space. There's a lot of room between you and somebody who can touch you. Don't forget, Tony, they also say in space, no one can hear you scream. What happens if you run out of gin and tonic before the tea comes for... Damn it. <laughs> before we get you to our current and latest... Su- ah... What the heck is with that line? It's very <sighs> British. You, st- you stump number one, number one, it's favorite with the yeah. U in there. We're going to kill that. All right. Okay. Here's my editing sound, editing sound effects. Okay. Favor- favorite goodies uh, to come out of CES. That's very British there too. So there, that, that'll probably be better. Go ahead. Try not. I, I bet it's the favorite. I bet the U in favorite is really just messing you up. No, I, I, I could read it just fine. It's like saying color or check. You know, I, I can read it. Um, right, Chequa. Chequa. <laughs> we bring you our favorite. Uh, now, see, you're throwing me with the now whole we're thing. About it. <laughs> and we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. <laughs> Depending on where you were hit and how you died, you may need replacement parts like Captain Picard's artificial heart or an artificial arm like that shouty lieutenant in Stormtroopers. Or should I say lieutenant? Ooh. It's. And it's Starship Troopers. What did I say? Stormtroopers. Oh, whatever. That was your joke from the other bit. This is my joke from this bit. <laughs> Get the bits right. Get the jokes right. Okay, fine. How can we be funny if we're not reading it right? Yes, don't worry. God, I want you to be funny. <sighs> Hurry up and be funny. I am such a God. And if you're old school like us and don't like this fancy new social media revolution, email at to – Oh, I got – what are you doing? Oh. Can you spell it out? Chivalry being all so messed this up. Yeah, so not only did he get in touch with us via the forums and via the website and via Twitter and Facebook and phones and messaging and email, he also sent the email to two wrong spellings of the word squawk. So I actually received oh. a total of about 11 times. <laughs> I think he really wanted to talk to us. Yeah, really. I, I, I don't really, really bad. Okay, I'll spell out squawk. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Oh, the single ladies. Oh, the single ladies. Oh, the single ladies. He, he shows up for those 10 for the chairman uh, sequences with the kind of a, you know, like a five o'clock shadow or a you know, five <laughs> o'clock last Thursday shadow. So that the independent women are a little up in arms about that now. And a special thanks to our new Twitter. F- <sighs> thanks a lot, you guys. You're great, great. I love you all. I do, I do, I do, Governor. Oh, my God, I can so do it like this as well. And thanks to our special new Twitter followers, at Cam from Chicago, at Paladin Message, at Smeg99, at... But for those of you unaware, I... Okay, one more time. To its current incarnation. Incarnation. Yep. Incarnation. I realized that. We put it together in a car. Yep. To its current incarnation. Incarnation. With cheeseburger. <laughs> to its current incarnation. What incarnation? Eric Wingman Peterson doubled down on a January. 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 Okay, and we've also had Wingman's. Wee Man? Who the hell sure. is Wee Man? We mad. We mad. We mad. We mad. We mad because dogfighting been redacted. We've also had Wingman. <sighs> Wing gig. It's got a G in there. We've also had wingman. <laughs> Is there a British spelling of wingman that we should be using? No, no. There's just a. It's it's just I I I don't know. By definition, is Star Citizen an indie game? <laughs>
stupid. Who just sent me a? <laughs> probably, so probably chivalry bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably chivalry bean. Because we're talking about it. <laughs> like, shut up, God. Skippy. <laughs> <laughs>